Welcome to Care Talk, America's home for incisive debate about healthcare business and policy. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of CareCentric. So, David, long COVID. I know, John. Very important and very difficult. It is a hard one, John. You know, we, it seems like we've been living with COVID long enough, but now we hear about long COVID, and maybe that's going to be around forever, at least for certain people. I actually was worried maybe I had it, you know, after my bout with COVID. I feel like I'm pretty well recovered now, but, you know, it can it can pop up even uh, later on. So it's one of those topics. Not a fun topic, John, but I think it's an important topic. Well, I don't think it's been covered very well, but maybe we should start by trying to put some a box around what it, what actually is yeah. long COVID, you know, such as such as we could, we we understand it right now. Good. Were you going to put the box around it, John? You like to answer your own questions sometimes. Well, I I, I think <laughs> all the time, David. You know, the the um, uh, you know, I think long long there is a um, obviously everyone knows that there was this acute burst of COVID with multiple variants. And we spent a lot of time focusing on, on that, but long COVID reflects those people who, you know, 30 to 60 days after recovery, after having a negative test, have a, a series of common symptoms uh, that range from respiratory ones that you'd, ex- that you might have like shortness of breath and fatigue because you, your respiratory system has been affected. Let's say you're your, your lungs have been scarred. John, how about shortness, of, also how about shortness of patients? Can I blame that on COVID? Uh, uh, you, you had that before <laughs> COVID, so no. But you've got um, a whole series of it. You know, there's some, some, some suggestions that there's some inflammation of the heart. Uh, there's some muscle pain. Um, a lot of things that would be very similar to chronic fatigue, but with some very specific things like um, inflammation of the heart, um, ta- tachycardia, palpitations of the heart, and lung scarring that continues. And, you know, the, 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 the weird thing, David, is with all of, I mean, it's, it affects about 40% of the people who've had COVID globally. About 30% of the people in the U.S. have some symptoms of long COVID. And, you know, it's, it's really, it's sort of unclear why it's unclear what's going on with long COVID yeah. right now. John, what's, one of the interesting things about it is really not just people who had severe illness. You know, when I was sick, it took me quite a while to recover, but it was just, okay, this is like the idea of like a lingering cough or lingering fatigue or something like that. But here we're talking about somebody who maybe didn't even have it that much, um, you know, didn't have it that severely in the acute phase, and they may have it uh, longer. That's one thing that's interesting. Oh, it's it it's it's very strange. You can have people who were largely asymptomatic, who had a positive test, who then get the symptoms that are persisting for a long time and people with very acute faces in even hospitalized who have no long, long COVID symptoms. It's a, it's a peculiar disease. It it had, it had, it hits um, in a way that um, um, it did not weigh on for other aspects of COVID kids as much as adults and long COVID also is more symptomatic, more typically, um, Hit, hitting women versus men. No, it's it's a, there. There clearly are some peculiarities that make this subset of COVID um, really different, and 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 yet 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 we're really not yeah. studying. Well, John, you know, there's about a, a range of people affected. The estimates in the U.S. is something between eight and twenty-three million people. It's a lot. When we were were one of the places that I did hear about it early on was in trying to encourage younger people to get vaccinated. 
And uh, there, the the argument was, hey, younger people, you may not have had it very severely. You could actually have long COVID, a fair, you know, fairly high percentage. I heard numbers like thirty percent um, at the time. So it kind of it kind of ties in. Now, maybe it's not being studied that much, but it is being well. But you're but you're on, you're on a before yeah. you go there, David. There's one important point there, which is that there is plenty of evidence that vaccination either lightens the impact of COVID but also reduces the likelihood of long COVID. So if these kind of brain fog, fatigue, heart problems, respiratory problems, um, potential sort of depression and aspects of other autoimmune diseases aren't very attractive, perhaps you should get your vaccination. So this is one of the reasons when you talk about studying it, uh, that is very important. So we heard, you know, when the vaccine came out, some people had already were having what they were describing as, as long COVID at that time. And some people reported kind of anecdotally, gee, you know, they got the vaccine and they got better. Well, you know, who knows if that, if that was the cause of it or not. There's a 40,000 person uh, trial that the National Institutes of Health is running, spending a billion dollars on it called the Recover Trial. Um, and that, uh, there's some argument, even our, our buddy Zeke Emanuel thinks that may be too small of a trial and not enough money spent here. Well, it's, I mean, come on, given the, the, the near, the tens of millions of people domestically and abroad have had this, it seems kind of trivial in retrospect. I mean, you think with eight to 20 million Americans, we'd be, in, we'd be, you know, sort of in, investing in hundreds of thousands of studies and, and taking advantage of all of these multi-specialty clinics that are popping up at different hospitals, particularly at research institutions, they're there to really care for uh, these long COVID patients and are getting data. We're not sharing that data. It, it does feel like it's it's important. Look, a billion dollars in the NIH and doing a study is important. But I think this is sort of a rolling crisis that is 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 under the radar, perhaps because it just hasn't hit the it hasn't affected as many people, and we're still in sort of this rolling yeah. acute phase with BHU. But 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 you but we actually have this live fire example of people getting care, getting sick, trickling into this long COVID phase without a systematic surveillance uh, and access to data that would allow us to actually kind of break it into pieces and figure out how we're actually going to solve. That's a lot of sick people, Dave. John, the Biden administration, to its credit, uh, on April 5th, did issue a presidential memorandum where they're trying to get kind of a whole government effort, as they call it, for prevention, detection, and treatment of long COVID. Now, that includes some things that were previously announced, like that Recover study that I mentioned. It includes some new, th new things as well. And I guess if you don't think a billion dollars is enough for the Recover Trial, you probably don't think the twenty million dollars for the centers of excellence to promote evidence-based care of long COVID is sufficient either. But that is one of the things. Well, I think I I, I think that's a I think that's a yeah. start. I mean, but you'd want to base it off of as much information as you could get. I mean, there's there's a lot of people with long COVID getting care with the government paying for it, and it just strikes me as crazy that we're not well, systematically. Pulling well, John, that let's 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 talk yeah. about some of the systematic things that either are in place or are meant to be come into place as part of this uh, memorandum. So the the VA, of course, treats many uh, people. With, with COVID. And uh, there is a, a clinic network and they have good information systems. So there, there's an expansion for treatment and learning for that, that network. Uh, they're making sure that health insurance actually covers long COVID. You can do that by making it part of the essential health benefits under the Affordable Care Act, making sure federal employees have it, that's part of Medicaid uh, and so on. And importantly, actually soliciting feedback from people who are living with long COVID. Well, I think uh, that that that's all well and good, but we also there's also some a, a, some activity among doctors to create a separate ICD nine or diagnostic code so that we could 
track it as a specific, you know, when you get sick, there are these diagnostic codes that when you're getting care are tied to your bill. So we could, you know, we're not even c cleanly tying the care to the people who were, who were, who were getting sick. Um, there's plenty of evidence that this is uh, not um, a short-term phenomenon. Other respiratory diseases, coronaviruses, MERS and SARS that were quick bursts of epidemics. There's a long tail there. I just think there's a lot. We, we need to look at this not as a subordinate priority, but really elementally part of how we manage COVID. If COVID is going to be endemic by the end of this year, and long and one third of one out of every three people who get COVID, um, it's probably lower than that uh, among the vaccinated, but a significant number are going to get it every year. We have to start to study this and figure out how to solve it because what those symptoms turn into is someone who can't productively work, can't ca effectively care for their family members. It's quite a big deal. And there's just so much, there's been so much noise appropriate and priority sp spent on just breaking the next wave. But there's this growing long-term, you know, human cost that I think, you know, look, we, we figured out the vaccines. We could probably crack some of these long COVID cases, but we need to get it tag the data, measure what's going on, and then, and then start to study, study it in a rapid scientific well, fashion. Well, you're, you're wandering over into the place where long COVID actually becomes, sad to say, political. And that is whether we're talking about people having COVID for a long time, whether it's a disability and whether that should confer certain protections on them. There's actually part of this uh, memorandum is uh, pursuing federal protections uh, to treat long COVID as a disability. Well, today, I think I think it does. I, I think it does qualify yeah. as a as a disability today. Uh, yeah, no, there, I think it. I mean, I I think it does. There may be some battles over that. There's been a significant Republican pushback on uh, the expansion of the disability category. Mm -hmm. uh, in some cases, I think you know some legitimate questions were raised about whether we've so expanded it that the the category of the disabled to, in order to access. Um, federal federal support um, is maybe too too great, um, and it, but that's very different than looking at these uh, in some cases catastrophic cases of people who can't breathe, can't taste, can't smell, have got serious heart issues, can barely get out of bed. Uh, I would think that that would clearly would meet the the uh, qualification yeah. for being. I think disabled. if you look at it on an individual level, you're going to see that. On the other side of it is that people who maybe have mild long COVID or maybe have something else, you know, this may contribute to what was already an issue about the number of people applying for disability and dropping out of the workforce, uh, which is a challenge, uh, especially as we face, uh, you know, labor shortages and there's not a lot of immigration going on. I think these things all kind of come together and is part of, part of what we're seeing, in fact, now uh, with, with the challenges and inflation uh, in the economy. Well, gosh, that's, you know, 15 different points that are not always relate <laughs> to the question, but getting back to the question that, that, that if, if we don't put enough money to, towards studying long COVID, we're not going to be able to solve it. And you will lose more of these folks from the workplace, but there's clearly levels of, of disability that long COVID is not. And by the way, not all cases, in some cases, it's mild long COVID to your point, it's loss of smell or taste or, um, you know, there's, there's a little bit more discomfort and joint pain, or you have a little bit of a harder time after going out to exercise, but there, there are other folks, folks that are, is a pretty, it's pretty catastrophic. They can't breathe and they can barely move around. And I think, I think we need to study it in order to solve it. 
And uh, I, I don't think you would need to roll that all up right, into all right, all right. You know, a gr- your grand Jeez. set of references to about the, the economy. Right. I mean, can you stay sure, on Sure, John. Let's, here, let's, let's finish off with a, with a question, a little prediction, a lay down a marker. Okay, five years from now, okay. will we be looking at, at long COVID, like a big chronic illness, let's say like, like diabetes, or it will be more like something like chronic fatigue syndrome, which you hear about, but doesn't actually get that much attention? I, I think you're going to split it into two different categories. Those that we can address through uh, therapeutics and all these great biologics and what we've learned in terms of vaccines and treatments for COVID, um, we, they've come rapidly. And I fear that there'll be a category that'll look just like that chronic fatigue that, that may or may not be getting the attention it deserves, but that is really disabling for people. Well, John, I'm going to go all the way in the other direction and say, we're not going to be talking about long COVID at all because we're going to have um, solved it. And when we do that, it's also going to sweep up chronic fatigue syndrome and some other related syndromes in its wake. We're going to deal with those too, and it's going to be a big nothing and we'll be on to other problems. So before you can tell me my question was terrible good, and stupid, et cetera. Good luck, Mr. Techno-Futurist. <laughs> That's good, John. I'll, I'll, I'll visit you in my self-driving vehicle, and we can, uh, we can compare notes at that point if we're still allowed on the road. In any case, that's it for yet another episode of Care Talk. We've been talking today about long COVID. I'm David Williams, president of Health Business Group. And I'm John Driscoll, the CEO of Carecentrics. If you like what you heard or you didn't, please subscribe.